This podcast is a production of the Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, visit our website at www.communitycovenant.net. Romans chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through through whom we have gained access by the faith into his grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that sufferings produce, produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Good morning. I am uh, Pastor Erica. And I am the pastor of uh, prayer and mission outreach here at Community Covenant. And I am um, going to make you a promise right now that I will not keep you till midnight. Not because I don't want to, <laughs> um, but mostly because I'm sure that Tyler would have something to say to me at staff meeting next week. And it would probably get around. So um, I'm not going to do that. But um, we are... You know, we always kind of open up with a a sermon series. We always try to keep things um, moving in a a trajectory. And and again, uh, Tyler is the one who named this sermon series. It is actually not staying in the game. The sermon series that we are entering into now is called The Potluck. Is that right, Tyler? Yep. So how many of you guys have ever been to a church potluck? All right, you know, you got the uh, the paper plates, the napkins, the jello mold that is like really isn't that a move of God, you know, with the grapes and the pineapples kind of suspended in, you know, space in there. Um, and the reason that we're calling it a potluck is because right now, while we are in that place between... Um, waiting for uh, Pastor Todd to to come. We are going to be kind of taking turns, um, sharing what we feel like God has laid on our heart. Um, and so um, this is not going to be something that's going to, you're going to kind of feel like we're, we're moving on a theme. It's just kind of where God has us right now. And um, sometimes it's nice to have that freedom, to be able to just speak uh, from a place that God is speaking to you. So this morning, um, I'm the first, as Keith said, the first on deck. And the uh, passage for this morning is out of Romans 5. And this is very much what I would call a well-worn passage. I think all of us are very familiar with the, the whoa, there's a thing there. <laughs> Um, we're all very familiar with the, you know, the idea of suffering produces perseverance. And perseverance, character, and character, hope. But I've been taking a class um, since the fall that is an Old Testament class. And last few weeks, we've been focusing on the book of Romans. And one of the things that the professor continues to point out over and over again that I feel like I have missed is that the letters that Paul was writing were written to corporate 
groups. They were written to churches. They were not written just to individuals. And a lot of times when we take passages from scripture, and whether it's what we read it as devotionally for ourselves, or we read it in a corporate group and it's a teaching, a lot of times we take it in the first place that we um, apply it is to ourselves. But a lot of times that's where it stops. We don't necessarily take it and understand that it is a blanket thing. It's a blanket letter that is talking to us not just about how we are to relate to Christ and how Christ relates to us. It is also about how it is that we are to relate to one another and the corporate body, the capital C church, should be a light, should be something that other people look at and they go, whoa, what's with those people? So this morning, I'm going to take this passage and I'm going to invite you to kind of switch your brain a little bit, okay? And what I mean by that is I'm going to invite you to take, to, to, Walk with me through this passage in a way that we're looking at it as a group. What does it say to us corporately? What does it say to us as a community? And what does that mean for me? So kind of taking it a little bit backwards. So if you look at the first couple of verses here... The first two verses that Paul is talking about here, therefore, since we've been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Now, if you pay really close attention, he's using plural words already. He's using the words we, not you, not me, we. And he's explaining something. He's continuing an explanation of something that he started off with in chapter 4, which is basically saying that it is in and through Jesus Christ that we have been reconciled to God. That we are in a place where we can have relationship with God. That Jesus bridged that gap for us. Not just me as an individual, but for us as a corporate body. And so when we think about that, how does that translate as we keep moving forward into these passages? So, chapter, or verse 3 says, Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance. So, I chose this sermon title, Staying in the Game, for exactly the reason that I'm talking about in terms of the corporate aspect of this passage. 
Because a lot of times what we miss is I want to be in a place where I'm doing, I'm with Jesus. I'm with God. I'm having my relationship. And it doesn't necessarily affect my other, the other aspects of my life. And it doesn't necessarily invite other people into relationship with him. So there's this whole idea of what does it mean for me to suffer and stay in the game. When Paul was writing this letter to the Romans, what he was talking, he was talking to a church that was divided. It was really scattered. You had a whole bunch of little small churches that were working in, in homes all over the city of Rome. And he's reminding them that they are going to have, they're going to suffer. And so what does it mean for us to look at suffering in a corporate way? I found this quote. Hopefully this works. There we go. Um, how many, okay, I'm going to ask you guys to do this again. How many of you like to suffer? Anybody? No, no one? No one likes to suffer, right? In fact, as a culture, we do anything and everything that we have to to avoid it, right? What is that? You know, that's everything from medication to entertainment to vacations. You know, if I just had a vacation, this would stop. You know, maybe it's uh, computer games. Maybe it's a sport. Maybe it's a hobby. We just do whatever we have to do to avoid suffering. We don't like to acknowledge it. We don't like to talk about it. But I found this quote, and I found I thought this quote really touches on a core piece. This is the most privileged, comfortable person from the best family has already suffered the torments of the damned. I don't think any of us get off this planet without suffering enormously. And one of the chief ways we suffer is by loving people who are incredibly limited by the fact that they're human beings and they are going to disappoint us and break our hearts. We are all broken hearted. So when we break it down, there are probably only two, I would dare say that there are probably only two forms of suffering. Physical suffering, which I know some of you deal with on a daily basis. Chronic pain. Illnesses. But the other aspect of suffering that we all have is relational suffering. And our relational suffering affects the way that we interact with one another. And it affects the way that we interact with God. And a lot of times we don't like to think about that. What we want to do is we want to be able to pull ourselves away. I want to be able to just kind of deal with my own thing by myself with Jesus. Does anybody do that? Pull yourself away? Isolate? Move away from community? So what does it mean to stay in the game? All right, so I'm going to put myself out on a limb. 
um, because I am a girl from South Texas who really has zero clue about hockey. And I know that this is a hockey community. I know that there are hockey fans. I know that a lot of you guys, your your life centers around hockey, whether it's your kid who plays hockey or you who play hockey or it's just this is the NHL season, right? But I went to my first hockey game uh, about a week and a half ago. And I'm sitting there, my friends that I went with, we're so excited about this. They kept saying, oh yeah, this is going to be awesome. This is the best thing ever. And you know, it's loud and everybody's yelling. And the best part is the fights. I'm thinking, okay, so you're paying money to watch people fight. Well, then why don't you go to a fight? They were like, oh no, 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 it's not like that. It's just really cool and you're going to really, really enjoy it. So we sat behind, um, little did I know that these were great seats, we ended up sitting behind the bench. And, um, boy, I was super confused as to what exactly was going on. Because I'm watching all these guys, and they've got this gear on, and hopefully I don't offend anybody by saying this, but the smell... I mean, when they would kind of come in and sit down, there was just like this waft. I'm like, oh, what is that? And my friend sitting next to me goes, hockey. <laughs> like, wow, okay. So um, I'm watching these players, and they're moving in and out, and they're, they seem to know exactly what they're doing. Do you guys know what I mean? I mean... I'm clueless, so I'm sitting there and I'm thinking to myself, what's happening? Because you've got these guys, and some of them are out on the ice, right? And some of them are, they come, they pass the certain point and they come in and they sit down and then they move to the next. And you watch them, they move down the, the bench, right? And I'm like, what the heck is going on? I don't understand. And they're like, oh, this is part of, you know, they switch out and this is a sprinting game and stuff. And I'm like, oh, okay. I'm, whatever. Right, and so we're sitting there for a while, and and uh, apparently this was a boring game. I didn't know that there were only two fights, by the way, um, and so that made it for not a great a great game. Um, but what did end up happening was in those two fights, something I watched something happen, and what I watched happen was something that in hockey lingo, is called a power play. You guys know what a power play is? When I talked to Tyler about this this last week, he he said, oh, I'm going to get some footage. So, for all you hockey fans, I actually have some footage, about 20 seconds, right? 30 seconds. 30 seconds of probably pure joy for some of you. All right? of exactly what a power play is. John, can you play that? Okay, now hopefully no one was bothered by the fact that um, one of the teams was the Devils. I don't think that was on purpose. Um, But as you were watching that, hopefully what you were seeing was that you had three guys who were all trying to defend one goal. The guys in the white. But then you had five guys who were pressing to try and score. That 
is a power play. And the reason the power play happens is that you have people who end up in the penalty box. And the way that hockey works is that play continues even when you have players removed from the game. And what ends up happening in that is that the other players have to make up and scramble and work extra hard because those players that have taken themselves out are not there to be a part of the game. And so those players have to work extra hard in the process. So when we are in a place of suffering, a lot of times what we do is we pull ourselves out of the game. We isolate ourselves. We put ourselves into the penalty box for whatever reason. Um, I'm not sure why those guys ended up in the penalty box, but at the Aces game that I was at, it was because they had gotten in fights. Or because they'd done something that, to me, seemed a little hot-headed, maybe just because I don't understand hockey. But in essence, what they did was they acted in a way that was kind of, you know, hey, you made me mad, so I'm going to do something to you. Don't ask me to tell you what it was, or to use the right terminology. But a lot of times what we do in our place of hardship is that we pull ourselves out. We sit out of the game. And we can make a lot of excuses and justifications for why that is okay. And sometimes we even throw the God card down. It would just be better for me to deal with this alone with the Lord than it is for me to be in this relationship, in this work situation, in this marriage. I'm just going to pull myself out and I'm going to sit on the sidelines or I'm going to sit in the penalty box and let the power play happen. But the reality is that what we do and how we live a call to live our lives in Christ is not just about me. And that is a radically countercultural way of thinking and of living because American culture says, I have a right to what I want how I want it, when I want it. But in this 1 Corinthians passage, Paul, uh, 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry, in this 2 Corinthians passage, Paul is making this really clear that this is not the way that things are supposed to work. Praise be to the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we 
can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For we, for just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. If we're distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you patient endurance of the same suffering we suffer. The past year for me has been really difficult for a number of reasons that I won't get into. But what I wanted to do in the midst of that was to pull completely out of the game. And when I say that, I mean pretty much everything. I wanted to just kind of withdraw myself from every team and every place that God has called me to be. Whether it was my relationship with my kids, because I felt like right now I can't. I'm too tired. Things are too hard. I don't want to. Whether it was relationship with my husband, where it just felt like it was too much. Or whether it was part of being on staff at this church. And I could come up with a million excuses for why I just needed to take myself out of the game. And it's amazing to me when you're in that place, how you can even start to convince yourself that God is telling you to do that. And what I wanted to do was I wanted to be able to just press in. I wanted to be able to just hang out with Jesus. Alone in my house. So that I don't make any mess for anybody else. So I don't burden anyone with my mess with what feels like my suffering. I don't want to inflict that on anybody else. So I'm just going to pull myself out of the game and I'm going to sit there and I'm going to wait till my time is over. Unfortunately, I have people in my life that I got to a place where I realized I have to say something to somebody. And I had a conversation with my husband. I sat him down and I said, something's wrong with me. I don't know if I'm depressed. I don't know if I'm worn out. But I don't want to do anything anymore. Can we move? Can I quit my job? Can we find some other way so that this I just feel better? And he said, no, we need to figure out what's going on with you. And so in that 
conversation and in subsequent conversations I had with friends, what I realized was that there were circumstances in my life that were causing me to suffer. It wasn't physical pain. It wasn't anything that was kind of, you know, overt or, you know, even what most people would think of as a big deal. But I felt like I needed to just kind of give up everything. And I had people who came around me in the middle of that and said, you can't do that. You have to keep going. And I didn't want to. I wanted to just give up. If anything, I didn't even have, in some point, in some ways, I didn't even necessarily have the strength to put myself in the penalty box. I wanted to just lay down on the ice. Which probably would have caused all kinds of issues. <laughs> but the reality of my life and of your life is that God has put you on a team. God has called you to various places and relationships to this community in terms of the church and this community in terms of where you live in the families that you have in the workplaces and the Bible studies and he calls you to be a part of that team to persevere in that place not to pull back in the midst of your suffering and hide it and the re- and the truth is is that your persevering in that your pushing through in that not only matures your character but it speaks of Christ to others Because we are called to be a corporate body, not just individual people that love Jesus. We are called to be a body of Christ. And we are called to press into those places. And when you are in, when you have been called to places where God is not the center, maybe it's your workplace, You've been placed on that team to be light. And my encouragement to you is don't shy away from that. Because part of what he promises us in this is hope. So we'll skip through to the next Hope is an incredibly powerful thing. And in James, he says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete and not lacking anything. I think every single one of us has been in a place where someone has walked off our team 
when we needed it. Whether that means in a family, whether that means in a workplace, or in a church, on a group project at school. And we look around and we think, where are you? I needed you. I need you now. And there is a promise that if we persevere, if we endure, that with that comes maturity. So this morning I'm going to ask you all to do something. Um, there is something in your worship guide, and we talk about this. We've talked about the Connect card before, right? But what I'm going to ask you all to do this morning is look at the back of your Connect card. And on the back of your Connect card, there is <clears throat> there is a little square here called the Next Right Step. And what I'm going to ask you to do is that I'm going to ask you to fill this out. There's the first box says, this week I will. You will what? I want you to think about where it is that you are not in the game. Where you've allowed your suffering, whether that's relational suffering or that's physical suffering, to pull you away from something that God has told you or placed you in. Where are you not staying in the game? Who is being power played in your absence? Is it your kids? Is it your spouse? Your coworkers? What would Jesus have you do about that? I want to challenge you to really think about, pray about where it is that God has you right now. And where it is that you need to press into him more so that you can be the team player that he has called you to be. If that means that in the next few minutes when the worship team comes up, you just need to spend some time asking the Lord to forgive you for the ways that you've stepped away from that, then please do that. Or to give you strength or courage. And then I'm going to ask you to fill this out where you think it's appropriate. And you can drop it either in the basket that's right back in front of the door or drop it in the offering basket as a commitment to the Lord and to yourself.
and to whoever it is that you've allowed to be power played by your walking away. Do you pray with me, please? Father, you are faithful when we are faithless. And you have called us, Lord, to be your people. And it is by our own weakness, Lord, that we step away, run away, shy away from that. And Lord, this morning I pray that by your spirit that you would stir in our hearts the courage to step back into the places that we have walked away from or that we have chosen to sit on the sidelines for. Give us the courage, Lord, to fill out this card and say, I'm going to put myself back in the game. We thank you, Lord, that when we ask these things in your name, we know that you are faithful to answer us. And so we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.